Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Words to Live By series, which is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I want you to take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Matthew in chapter number 6 this morning. Matthew 6 and... If you have been here for the last few weeks, then you'll recall that before our missions emphasis time, uh, we're going through a series called Words to Live By. And uh, just the simple fact that a lot in the world is screaming for our attention and screaming for us to follow it. Um, I think especially right now, it would be very easy to make the illustration and make the case in point with politics. We're hearing a lot of politics right now and... I hope that you're praying for our election. I hope you're praying, and I would say this today. Uh, if you, I've been asked this year more than any other year. Uh, I've been asked a lot about the election and about voting and how should we vote. And if you have questions about that, I would say you can go to our Facebook page, Dennis and Hannah Fountain, and I put out a video uh, about, about a week and a half ago on uh, biblical principles that every Christian should consider before they cast a vote. And it's not telling you who to vote for. It's not telling you what to vote for. It's helping us understand that when we vote, we're not voting for a person or a personality. Oftentimes we think that, well, I'm voting for a person or a personality. But the truth is that we vote for a platform and we vote for policies. And as a Christian, we want to find out what lines up closest to Scripture. Let's be honest today as we talk about this. uh, We're never going to agree 100% with anybody. Every married couple knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, why? Because, you know, (laughs) because they're wrong, apparently. Uh, You know why is because when you put any two people in a room, you get two differing opinions. It's always going to be that way. So I want to encourage you as you maybe have already cast your ballot or maybe you're going to cast it this week. uh, Do it, of course, before Tuesday. Uh, But I want to encourage you that if you're looking at who do I vote for, just ask God. God, show me who lines up closest to scripture. Don't let any news influence what you vote for. Don't ever do that. Let the Bible influence what you vote for. I was traveling home. This is, this is all free, okay? This is just a side thought. We were traveling home yesterday, and I was on the plane coming back, and um, I fly Southwest quite a bit, and the Southwest Airlines, and they, they give you know, plenty of movies or TV that you can watch. Usually, I'm just studying. Uh, but with the missions conference last week, I was able to prep for this message a lot, and so I got a lot of studying done. So on the way home, I was, we had, they took us the scenic route. I flew from Philadelphia to Nashville to Las Vegas to Spokane. It was a great day of traveling, 12 hours, 12 hours of traveling yesterday. So with that, I was on a plane and, and one of the flights, and I was just checking out the news, challenge, the news channels. Every news channel, every news channel is going to give you their biased opinion. Every one of them, every one of them. You can go to Fox, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, OAN, Network. I mean, there's all these news channels out there. It's just gonna be their opinion. This is what I wanna look at. Words to live by. We have a lot of people screaming that we need to give attention to their opinion. Hey, hey, listen to my, my opinion is the correct opinion. But you know what? We have a Bible and we have, we have some words 
And Jesus, at the end of Matthew chapter number seven, or Matthew chapter number seven, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if you will build your life on my words, you will find stability and security in your, li- in your life. And I just want us to understand this morning that God's word, God's word and God's principles are truly the only things that we should build upon. It's the only words we should build upon. And so I wanna encourage you as you look to vote, let's, let's ask God to help us be building upon and voting by his word, all right? That's my free plug-in this morning. And you say, Pastor, I don't like politics. Uh, I wanna tell you right now, we're, we need to pray for our country and, and understand that regardless of who gets elected, the answer is not in politics. The answer is in Christians knowing scripture and lining up with the Lord. And uh, I don't apologize for that. I think every Christian, there's, it's, we, have, we have civic duties in scripture. And you say, Pastor, I, I don't know about that. Uh, I'd love to talk with you about it because I can, I can take the Bible and point out to you uh, the, the God's people's place in politics. So with all that being said, there's a lot of voices screaming for our attention. It might be politics. It might be culture. It might be uh, sports figures. It might be Hollywood. Just screaming, saying, hey, believe what I believe or follow what I follow. And as we look at this series, we're coming in, Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount, this sermon that he would preach mainly to his followers. There would probably be, of course, we would know of the 12 apostles, but on, these day, on this day, there would probably eventually be up near 500, maybe even some believe 1,000 people that would come out to hear Jesus speak. Many of them, though, would be followers of Christ. And Jesus, he's giving them words to live by. And he says at the end, if you will build upon my words, you'll find stability and and, uh, success. And if you don't build upon my words, I'm gonna liken you unto a foolish man. And when controversy comes, and we understand that every single one of us need to put a priority of building our lives upon the words of God. We've already learned a ton of things, but most recently, most recently, we learned two very simple thoughts that tie into today. Number one, God is interested in your heart, not your religious actions. All right, number one, God is interested in your heart, not your religious actions. Remember the Pharisees, Jesus is speaking. Of course, many of the Pharisees would have been there on this day. And and the Pharisees, they believed that their religion brought them close to God. And as Jesus is laying out these truths, he says, hey, listen, you've heard that it's been said, follow the law, do this. But I say unto you, I'm concerned about your heart. A principle he taught, uh, you've heard it's been said, don't don't, uh, hate somebody. You know, I hate you, don't do that. Don't cry out raka unto your brother and, and curse somebody. Jesus said, you've heard that said in the law, but I say unto you, don't even have anger in your heart towards someone. You see, there's a difference one is outward, one is inward. You've heard it's been said, hey, don't, don't, uh, don't commit adultery. But I say unto you, don't even lust after somebody within your heart. And so Jesus taught a principle, Matthew chapter number five, the middle part towards the end. The principle is simply this. I'm interested in your heart, not your religious activity. Number two, Jesus helped us understand that when he has our heart, we become what we termed last week a second mile Christian. 
We become a Christian that desires to go above and beyond. And there was a group that Jesus was speaking to, and he was said, hey, uh, you, you know that if somebody offends you, that you, you, know, you believe that you can get even with them. I say to you that if someone offends you, turn unto them your other cheek also. Uh, be able to take mistreatment without retaliation. He said, hey, you've heard that the Romans, they can ask you to go one mile under their law, and if you don't, they'll kill you. I say, pick up the bag and go two miles. Be the extra Christian. Be the one who goes the extra mile. And here's the simple fact that when Jesus has our heart, when he has our heart, things in our life begin to just fall into place. Man, when he has our heart, we're gonna allow mistreatment without retaliation. When he has our heart, we're gonna be willing to do more than what's required or asked. When he has our heart, we're going to be uh, willing to freely give, live with an open hand. He said, hey, if somebody asks you for your coat, give unto them your shirt also. If they're in need, just be able to meet people's needs. And so two very simple principles that we learned a couple of weeks ago. Number one, Jesus is interested in your heart, not your religious activity. Number two, when he has your heart, you're gonna be an above and beyond Christian. Man, you're just going to go above and beyond. Now, this morning, before we come into our passage, I want to paint a picture for you. <clears throat> Do you remember your schoolroom or your classroom when you were a kid? I want to paint a picture in that classroom. In that classroom, you probably had a, a teacher, a teacher's desk that would be up front. And that teacher, perhaps that desk would be facing everybody or maybe off to the side. Let's, for this sake of illustration, this desk is off to the side today. Can you see it? Can you see the desk right here where your teacher sat? And maybe she would get up and she would come over and teach or he would teach with a chalkboard and then he would turn to the class and begin teaching. In that class, there would be right in the front row, there would be that one boy or that one girl, you know, that was just kind of the nerd. I'm sorry, but every class had it. Maybe you were them. Listen, no judging here. That wasn't my seat, though. That's all I'm going to say. You know, they're the one that the teacher's like, all right, now who knows the answer? And little, you know, little Johnny or little Susie or... I won't. I was going to call some names of people that I think probably sit there, but I won't. Uh, man, that hand goes up, you know. And it's always like, does anybody other than, you know, Johnny know the answer? Teacher, you know, push the glass. Teacher, push the glasses up all the time. You know, be be honest. How many of you remember that kid? Yeah, we all do. Uh, so I want you in this class. We have that kid sitting there, and and across the front, you maybe you set in alphabetical order, and and maybe there was. Uh, you know, little little Susie or little Tony that sat right there. And you have these desks. I want you to picture with me the, the one kid that's sitting probably a little further towards the back in one of the corners. He's not, he's not disrespectful, you know, in the sense of just being a jerk. But he's probably not the most respectful. And he's the kid, if you remember, he's kind of sitting right there where Jim is. And, and Jim, maybe this was your seat. I, I don't know. But he's the kid that every time something comes up and he sees an opportunity to make everybody laugh, he makes the comment. And everybody laughs. He's the kid that when it comes his time for the report, you know, to get up in front of the class and he gets up and he's doing the report, he's the kid that gets up there and everybody, everybody's glued to it. They're just glued to it, man, why? Because maybe he has a, a big personality, that's what they would say. He's also the kid, though, that the teacher often goes, hey, 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 stop it, 
Hey, quit talking. Hey, quit, hey, quit trying to make everybody laugh. He's the kid that on the report card, it comes home, great to have in class, but he talks too much. Great to be around, but he causes too many distractions. He really likes to make people laugh too much. In this setting, in this setting, there was a person just like that in our family. And I know you know it was my mom. In this setting, that was me. And in this setting, I would tell you that any kid, you, you, do you remember the kid that was like that in your class? Maybe it was you. Let's be honest. How many of you say, Pastor, that was me? Good, Craig, you and I are good. Good to go. Nancy, did you raise your hand? Nancy, I can see it. I can see it. I know my dad was because he got kicked out of classes plenty of times. <laughs> you know what? In this setting, in the school setting, what would that kid often be called? That kid would often be called the show-off, the class clown. Oh, again, like I, I know in my situation, I, I wasn't ever really trying to just be disrespectful. There was one year I was, fourth grade, Mrs. Bristol, couldn't take it. I'm just being honest. But you know what? Most of the time I wasn't being disrespectful, but I heard plenty of times, I heard from my parents this statement, Dennis, don't be a show-off. Hey, don't be a show-off. Every one of us know somebody who can be a show-off. They might be at your workplace. They might be a student you went to school with. They might be somebody that you regularly know. It might be somebody in your house. It could be you. But the one thing I want to look at this morning is, while there are show-offs in the classroom and at the workplace, can I tell you that usually at the end of the day, at the end of the day, no one really wants to be a show-off. Why? Because usually the reason they do it is so everybody will laugh and everybody will look at them. But at the end of the day, their friendships can sometimes be empty. At the end of the day, the laughter's gone and the grades are a D or a C. At the end of the day, people look and say, man, don't be a show-off. While we know those people in life, can I tell you this morning that there are oftentimes are a lot of us that play that in the Christian life. And we become what I'm gonna call this morning show-off followers. People that do what they do for the attention of other people. This morning as we come to Matthew chapter number six, the next message in our Words to Live by series, we're going to see Jesus Christ challenging us with this simple thought. Don't be a show-off. Don't be a show-off. Take your Bible, if you would, and let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and stand with me. Matthew chapter 6, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to read the first 18 verses of Matthew 6, and if you can't stand for it, that's totally fine. Stay seated, but Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1, Jesus said these words. He said, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand 
doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Why? Uh, Because for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking, their many words. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is, or thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But... If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. We're gonna stop right there this morning, but again, as we go through this passage, can you see Jesus calling out the show-off follower? Be not like unto the hypocrite. Be not like unto the heathen. Instead, I'm gonna give you what a sincere follower looks like. That's the two simple points we're going to look at this morning. What is a show-off follower and what is a sincere follower? And I want to ask you a question right now, and I'm going to ask it to you at the end. What type of Christianity do you want to live this week? This coming week, what type of Christianity will you live? Show-off follower Christianity or a sincere follower Christianity? I hope that we'll be challenged before the end of this message. I hope we'll be challenged this week to say, God, help me to follow you sincerely, not as a show-off. I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's take just a minute and let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Just a minute and ask God to speak to us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Why don't you take a moment just right where you're standing or right where you're seated and ask God to speak into your life today. Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And Lord, I pray that as we get into the word this morning, I pray that you would use it to challenge us. I pray that you'd use it to help us and convict us. 
Lord, I pray that as we go through this familiar passage, Lord, that you would use it to bring to mind ways that we can become a sincere follower of you. And God, I know that there are often the temptation to be a show-off follower. I pray that today that we make the decision that this week we're not going to be a show-off follower, that instead we're going to be a sincere follower of you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And I pray, Lord, uh, this morning that if there's someone here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust in you alone. We love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we start this morning, I want to identify how someone can be a follower who, who shows off. What is a show-off follower? I think this is listed for us in a, a number of places, but we're going to see a common title given to a show-off follower. That common title is the word hypocrite. Hypocrite. Well, what is a hypocrite? Well, we all know hypocrites because we all look at ourselves in the mirror. And let's be honest this morning. As we come to a message like this, we could very easily say, I know somebody who fits that mold. Boy, I wish they were here. This message would be great for them. Boy, I wish they were here. I wish they were listening. This message could possibly uh, change their life. Can I just encourage you this morning before you have that mindset, let's every one of us pretend like we're looking in a mirror and that the Lord's saying, I want you to look at your own heart. What does a show-off follower do? Number one, I see that a show-off follower gives to be praised. A show-off follower gives to be praised. Notice in our passage, verse number two, here's what we read. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, the word alms here, to do alms, has to do with the idea of giving to meet a need, whether it was the need of the poor or the need within the synagogue or the need of a friend. If you gave alms, you were giving to meet a need. Every one of us have ways that we give, and in their days, they did as well. Uh, we would maybe look at this as an offering, maybe to church, or maybe we would look at it as giving towards uh, a nonprofit organization at the end of the year, or maybe just towards some friends who need groceries or or somebody who needs uh, help with gas, or whatever the case is. We all have coworkers, we all have friends, we've all been where we've given alms, where we've given to meet the need of somebody else. Well, as you look at our passage, here's what Jesus says. He comes and he says, hey, when the hypocrite gives, they do it for the glory of men. Did you see it there in verse number two? When thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be seen or that they may have glory of men. When you look at that verse, what does it mean that they're doing? Well, when the hypocrites, when the show-off follower gives, they want everybody to know. In that day, to sound the trumpet, it meant to give out a cry. It says that they would do it in the synagogue or they would do it in the streets. You remember the story, and we might, I think we have the passage on here in a little bit, but you remember the story where the hypocrite, uh, the, uh, the widow and her two mites, you know that story? You say, Pastor, refresh my memory. There's a day when Jesus is sitting by the treasury. He's sitting by the offering tray, and he's watching his people give. 
And with a big, uh, you know, big pomp and circumstance, the Pharisees walk up, you know, a whole group of them. And they walk up and one guy, he pulls out his money bag. He doesn't set them in, he throws them in, you know, because then it makes that clink, 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 you know, that sound. Is that not the sound it makes? Anyway, it makes that sound and they throw it in there. And then the next guy comes along and he saw what his, his buddy gave. And he's like, well, I'm better than that. I'm better than that. So he pulls out his money bag and he pulls out one extra coin, you know, and he throws that in. And we get the picture from the scenario with Jesus standing against the treasury. He looks and he says, hey, all these guys, they gave of their abundance. But do you know who I bless? I bless and he blesses the one that no one saw. It was a little widow with two mites, with basically, I mean, we would liken them to two pennies. And she walked up and she didn't throw them in. She didn't make a big pomp and circumstance entrance. She just set them in and walked away. You know, Jesus says in this passage, he says, you know, when the hypocrites give, you know, they like to do, they like everybody to see it. They like everybody to watch it. They like everybody to notice. They like to go, hey, oh, that gift, that was me. <laughs> yep, that was me. I met that need. Yep, I... That's the, that's the show-off's way of giving. And as Jesus comes to this passage, he's saying, hey, don't be like it. Don't be like them. One man summarized their giving this way. He said, they did it indeed, for, but not from any principle of obedience to God or love of man. They gave in pride and vainglory, not in compassion to the poor, but purely for display. During this time, there would be many people who would be indeed a religious hypocrite. Oftentimes, these were hypocrites. We would refer to them many times as the Pharisees, those religious leaders. And Jesus said, hey, don't be like them. They want to sound the trumpet. They want to let everybody know. Their desire was, I'm going to give so that people will see. What does a show-off follower do? A show-off follower, they, they give to be seen or to be praised. They give to be praised. Notice, secondly, a show-off follower, praise to be heard. They lift up their voice in prayer to God to be heard. Notice verse five. Verse five, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Why, what do they do? For they love to pray, <clears throat> standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, so that they may be seen of men. Verse seven, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. In these verses, Jesus says, the hypocrite, he prays, he gives prayer to the Lord to be seen and to be heard by those around them. The phrase much speaking is many words or many sayings. Vain repetitions means empty, unthought, un, unthought through words. The hypocrite, they pray a fluff prayer. The, the show-off follower, they, they pray so that people can notice them praying. Notice what he says. He says that they pray within the synagogues, that they lift up their voices. They want to be seen in noticeable places praying. And Jesus said they pray because people are watching and people are listening. This reminds me of the story that you read in Luke 18, verse 11 and 12. We read about the Pharisee, one that we would refer to and Jesus would refer to in the passage as a hypocrite. What did he do? He stood and he prayed thus, notice the next two words, within himself. He didn't pray thus to God. He prayed thus within himself. 
God, I thank thee that, that I'm not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. You say, Pastor, what's he saying? He's setting up a scene. Let's allow our mind to be in, in the church. And he comes in, the Pharisee, and he comes all the way up front. This is the illustration. We're not going to cover all of it in Luke 18. He comes all the way up front. And he doesn't have a microphone on. Says with a big, loud voice, Lord, I thank thee that that I'm not like other men. Say, what's he doing? He's looking around at everybody. This is the scenario. Go read it. Go read Luke 18. This is the scenario Jesus is setting up. The Pharisee walking in and praying and doing that and looking around. I'm not like other men. I'm not unjust. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not an adulterer. And then he gets real specific. And he says, I'm not even like that publican back there. And he points back maybe where Mike is. God, I thank you I'm not like him. Big boisterous. He says, I fast twice a week. I I give of tithes of all that I possess. God, look at how amazing I am. What is he doing? He's praying to be seen. Praying to be heard. The following verses give the contradiction, which is the publican who in the back strikes his chest bows his head and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What's Jesus doing in Luke 18? He's setting up. Luke 18 starts with a prayer challenge. Pray that you faint or uh, don't faint in prayer. Don't quit in prayer. That's what Jesus starts the, the whole passage with. What's he getting at there? He's helping us see and helping us understand the illustration. There are certain people that pray to be heard. Uh, show our follower, they, they give to be praised They pray to be heard, but then also they fast to be seen. A show-off follower fasts to be seen. Notice the verses. Verse number, um, let me jump over here. Verse number 16, notice what it says. It says, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. What does the hypocrite do? They fast. Now, fasting is very much in the Bible. What is fasting? Fasting is to eliminate something in our life, most of the time, food. For a few days or a few hours or a day or seven days or whatever the case might be, we eliminate that food to refocus our hearts on the Lord. Saying, God, we want to follow you more than anything. There's much more to that than, than what I'm giving you, but this message is not about fasting. I just want us to understand, here's what Jesus is saying. They fast to be seen of men. They fast, if I can put it this way, they fast to be pitied. What do they do? They make their face of a sad countenance. They rough up their hair, which I'm not going to do. <laughs> they rough up their hair and they make their face sad and, and they walk around. Because then people look at them. And they go, oh, oh, what's the matter? (laughs) Nothing. 
It's like some of you women when your husband asks, what's wrong? <laughs> Nothing. It's like some of you men when she's like, what happened when you came home from work? Nothing. That's them. Anyway, they're there and what's wrong? Nothing. Well, tell me. Nothing. It's so hard to make this face. Well, tell me what's the matter. Well, nothing. I'm, I'm getting closer to God. How? I'm fasting. You say, Pastor, they wouldn't. That's what it says. They would make their face of a sad countenance so that people would be like, hey, you must be fasting. Boy, you're so spiritual. Oh, look at how spiritual you are. They fasted to be pitied by others, to be seen by others. Jesus said, don't be like that. Don't be a show-off when it comes to fasting. Don't fast to be seen. Well, if I give to be praised, if I pray to be heard, if I fast to be seen, what is my reward? Jesus lines it out. Verse number two, verse number five, and verse number 16, with all three of these scenarios, Jesus said they do it for the praise of men, and you know what they get? The praise of men. But notice what it says. They have, what's the next word? Their reward. They don't have God's reward. They don't have God's blessing. They don't have God saying, this is how it should be done. No, they have their reward. And can I just help us understand this morning that every single one of us, again, don't think this message is good for somebody else. Let's look in a mirror and let's understand today that every one of us can follow Jesus as a show-off follower. Oh, we may not stand up verbally in church and say, God, thank you that I'm not like Craig Hatch. We might not do that. Praise the Lord to have Craig back. I hope you prayed for him. Craig, it's good to have you back. Had surgery 10 days ago, 12 days ago. And man, you're here. All right, he's still on drugs, but it's okay. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, it's good to have Craig back. But you know what? I know we wouldn't walk around and we would say that real loud and real boisterous. Maybe we won't do that. But oftentimes the reason that we may greet or the reason that we may uh, maybe get up and lead a song or get up and preach a message or get up and, and be in nursery, the reason is because we really appreciate when somebody says, hey, good job. Hey, thanks for doing that. Hey, thanks for stacking up those chairs. Hey, thanks for, and we, we're looking for the thank you. It can even trickle down within to your home. That mom, you can get up and go through maybe um, what we would call motherly duties, but you're not doing it because you love the Lord and love your family. No, you do it because you want your husband to just notice how good of a job you're doing. Now, is it wrong to want that appreciation? No, it's not wrong to want the appreciation, but it's wrong if that becomes the motive by which I serve. And this is the whole point Jesus is getting at. Quit being a show-off follower. Hey, don't be like the hypocrites. They show off, and you know what they have? They have their reward. And truth is, today, many Christians live show-off Christianity. And the reason sometimes we go to church, and the reason sometimes we do what we do is to show off for people. And no doubt, you can remember uh, this when you were younger, doing things in your life when you, you cleaned when somebody was watching. You know, mom came in, and she was like, hey, make sure you clean your room. And then she left, and you sat down and started playing with toys. Then you hear her coming down the hallway, and what do you do? You jump up, and you're like, oh, just putting things away, mom. Yeah. I won't call your name, Troy, but some people are laughing because they're like, I know. Man, that was, that was all of us, wasn't it? All of us. Have, now you have kids that do it. The Lord's like, 
See what you did to your parents? You reap what you sow, buddy. And some of us are going, God, I'm so sorry. You know what? We have that in life, in all of our aspects of life. But can I tell you, can we understand something this morning that we oftentimes allow that to bleed over into our Christian life? And we get up, maybe read the scripture because we want our family to notice. We come to church and we carry our Bible because we're, we're afraid that if we don't, someone might say something. We serve in a ministry because we want the applause. We give it an offering. We put out a blue card reflected upon this message. And as, as I look at this message and say, God, help me with this, man, every single one of us can easily, we can drift into show off Christianity. But here's what Jesus says, don't be like them. Instead, you need to be a sincere follower. What does a sincere follower do? Notice these thoughts very quickly. A sincere follower gives to God. Man gives to God and God alone. Verse number three, Jesus said, when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret, he himself shall reward thee openly. What is Jesus doing? He is calling out the sincere follower here saying, hey, give for God and God alone. Hey, when you give to somebody, don't look for the appreciation. It doesn't mean you always have to give a anonymously. I don't believe that's a principle that Jesus is teaching because there are times in our life when we can't give anonymously. You might go to meet somebody's need and, and you know, if you put groceries on their door, they might not ever get them. You got to knock on the door and say, hey, we brought these to you. But here's what Jesus is getting at. Don't let the motive be attention. Instead, realize, God, if I give anything, if I give it an offering, if I give to friends in need, if I give to a bum on the street, I'm giving just like I would give to you. I'm giving to God. This is all for God. That's what Jesus is getting at. Hey, a sincere follower gives to God and God alone. One man said it this way, whatever kindness your right hand does, don't let your left hand know it. Conceal it as much as possible. Keep it private. Do it, give, because it's a good work, not because it will give you a good name. Man, what a challenge for us that I want to be a sincere follower. What does a sincere follower do? A sincere follower gives to God and God alone. What else does a sincere follower do? A sincere follower prays to God and God alone. Notice the verses, verse six through eight. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. Thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Entering into your closet represents getting alone with God. It represents secret prayer time with God. There is nothing wrong with praying, with God, praying to God openly. Matter of fact, that is taught biblically. It's called corporate prayer. Uh, we practice here on Thursday nights, whether in our small groups or as a church, praying together. But here's what Jesus is getting at. Don't let your prayer life, your time with God, be something that you're more concerned with people knowing you prayed than you are 
are spending quality time with Jesus Christ, spending quality time with your heavenly father. Every single one of us can grow in our prayer time with God. Every one of us. There's three things that I preach often that we can grow in in the Christian life. Number one is time in the word. The devil fights your time in the word. Number two is time praying and seeking God. Really thinking about your words and spending time with your heavenly father. Number three is telling people about Jesus Christ. But in this passage, Jesus says, hey, a sincere follower is going to pray to God. Secret prayer, it's that time that is just me and him. Secret prayer is that time that encourages me as a believer to hold nothing back. Can I be honest? I I love many of you and I love all of you. Some of you I don't maybe know as well, but man, I love our church family. And and if you you are around here for any length of time, you figure out that Pastor Dennis is is a lover. I just love people. I'm relational. I'm a a hugger. I just want to give you a hug and tell you I love you, man. And I I was raised in that and my family is that way. And I I just... I love people, but as much as I love you, I'm probably not going to have the same conversations with you that I'm going to have with my wife. I'm not going to have the same conversations with many of you that I'll have with my father. I'm not going to have the same conversations with many of you that I would have maybe with uh, somebody else that I'm very close to. You say, pastor, why are we not close? No, 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 no. The people that you're closer to, you're going to have a more intimate relationship with. If you're married, you're going to have better conversations with your wife than you are your buddy, or hopefully you should. If not, see me afterwards. We can get some counseling set up. But here's what secret prayer is. Secret prayer is me getting alone with God. Why? Because when I'm alone with him, I'll speak more freely. God already knows my heart. He already knows your heart. And so you know what we can do? We can get alone with him and we can go together, go in prayer. God gives us some number of thoughts about prayer. I'm not gonna cover all of them. I'm just gonna give them to you real quick. He talks about uh, this this phrase, the... Um, many would call this passage, verse nine, you recognize, oh Lord, I know, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come uh, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and all of that. Many people say, well, this is the Lord's prayer and there are religions that teach that this prayer should be repeated. I just wanna tell you that is wrong. This verse is not saying repeat this prayer and have extra blessing in your life. No, this is not the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is actually found in John 17. John 17 is the prayer where Jesus prayed. And you know who's in that prayer? You are and I am. He prayed for you. The Lord's prayer, Jesus prayed for us. This is what we call the model prayer. What does the model prayer do? It just lines out a format for praying. Because many of us, when we first trusted Christ as Savior, we thought, prayer? I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. I can't tell you how many times I'll be out with somebody and be like, hey, why don't you pray? And they go, pastor. I don't pray. Like you don't want to hear me pray. I don't know how to pray. Jesus knew that. And so he gave us the model prayer. What does the model prayer do? It highlights some things that should be in our prayer. What should be in our prayer? Worship. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is that? It's a time of adoring. It's a time of worship. God, you are worthy. Hallowed be thy name. The next part is submission. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I submit to you. I want your will in my life. Jesus exemplified this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Worship, submission, request. Give us this day our daily bread. In your prayer, there's nothing wrong with making requests to the Lord. That's very biblical. Jesus said plenty of places, 
plenty of places. Let your requests be made known unto God. Aren't you thankful he cares about your request? Man, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that days I can just go, God, you are worthy. I submit to you, but God, I need you. I need you. Let's be honest, how many of us have done that in life? Boy, all of our hands would go up, wouldn't it? I'm so thankful he said, let your requests be made known. Model prayer, worship, worship, submission, worship, submission, request, but then forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Every one of us, every day, we offend God and we need to ask God for forgiveness. Oh, we're not getting saved again. We're just acknowledging that we have sin in our life and we need his hand and his touch in our life. Again, all of these things, really, this could be an entire message in and of itself, but we're not doing that this time. Worship, submission, request, forgiveness, leading. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is praying, God, just lead my life, lead my decisions. God, lead my, lead my thinking, lead my words, lead my actions. Help me not to fall into anything I shouldn't get into. Just asking God for his leading should be in our prayer. And then praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving, that last part of uh, verse number uh, um, uh, 13 and 14, where it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What is this? This is just a model prayer. But all of this, Jesus gave these thoughts, helping us to know we need to pray to God and God alone. What does a sincere follower do? A sincere follower, number one, gives to God and God alone. Number two, prays for God and God alone. And number three, fasts to God and God alone. Notice what he says in verse 17 and 18. When thou fastest, uh, but when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. What's he saying? Hey, take care of yourself. What did the, the hypocrite do? Uh, that thou appear not unto men to fast. He says before that, that the hypocrite, what did they do? They, they made their face of a sad countenance and disheveled their hair. Here's what Jesus says. Hey, when you're fasting, just keep going through life. Just lift up your head, do your hair, anoint your face, wash your face. Like that's like a basic lesson. And yet Jesus is teaching this. I feel like I'm in like junior high class. You know, Jesus is like, all right, seventh and eighth graders, let's sit down and learn something. Some of you are like, pastor, I'm in seventh and eighth grade. I don't like this. Let's be honest. Every one of us needed this in seventh and eighth grade. What is it? When you wake up, brush your teeth. The follicles growing out of your head, put gel on them. And the drool, wash it off. Some of us needed that as seventh and eighth graders. Some need that when they're in college. Here's Jesus. What's he saying? Hey, when you fast, don't appear, unto, don't appear to fast. Wash your face. Do your hair. Don't walk around to be pitied. What is he saying? He says, because if you are fasting for the Lord, your father, which seeth in secret, he's going to reward you. And all three of these things, giving to God alone, praying to God alone, and fasting to God alone is all what a sincere follower does. A show-off follower, they do it for the praise of men and they have their reward. A sincere follower does it for the approval and the heart of God alone. And you know what God says will happen? I will reward their heart. Can I tell you this morning that serving God and going through the Christian life, it can sometimes be a little taxing on every one of us. Let's be honest. 
Our flesh doesn't want to get up 30 or 40 minutes early to spend time in prayer and time reading the Bible. Your flesh does not want to treat your spouse with respect, forgiveness, and complete surrender. Your flesh does not want to continue to provide for your kids and invest in them and help them and teach them and not do it giving them the spirit of fear. Your flesh doesn't want to do that. Your flesh, my flesh, doesn't want to show up to work on time and put in a hard eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours. Our flesh doesn't want to do that. You know what Jesus is saying? Hey, if you will just follow me with your heart, I see it. God sees, mom, mom, God sees the sacrifice that you give to invest in your family and and help the kids love the Lord. Dad, God sees when you wake up in the day and say, God, I'm so tired this morning, but God sees when you wake up and spend extra time in the word and some time seeking him. God sees that. God says, I notice when you're faithful to church and nobody else notices. I notice when you, when you give. I notice when you work in the nursery. I notice when you pray and seek me when nobody else sees it. I notice when you teach that lesson that nobody notices. I notice when you sacrifice for my kingdom, Jesus says, when you do it from your heart, I take record of it and I will reward it. I can't tell you this morning what the reward's gonna be. I don't know, but I can simply say today that there is a principle in scripture that when you and I live out a sincere fellowship of God, God promises to see it and to reward it. He said it this way, wrote through Paul that, wrote, wrote through Paul that your labor is not in vain. Man, God sees it. What a blessing. <laughs> What a blessing, what an encouragement, because I don't know about you. Do you ever have times when it's just hard? Man, times when you're like, God, does anybody notice what's taking place? We all have that. And you know what God says? I notice. So I want to ask you this morning the question I asked you at the beginning of the message. This week, will you be a show-off follower or will you be a sincere follower? Ask yourself that question today. I would say, ask yourself this question. Generally speaking, generally speaking, this last week, this last year, did you do things for the approval of people or did you do things with a heart for Jesus? Do I have the heart of a hypocrite, the heart of a heathen, giving for others, praising for for others, fasting for others, doing Christian life for others? Or do I have the heart of a sincere follower that says, God, I just want to seek you? All of this really coincides with what we learned a few weeks ago, that God is interested in our heart. Why don't you close your Bible, and I want to just ask you two, or a couple questions and talk with you for a minute, and we're done. I've been in church my whole life. I was raised in church. I grew up, and probably by the time I was 18, I had sat in more services than most people would sit in in their entire lives. And I grew up in a very balanced home. I'll say it, my parents are sitting right here, and I don't mean to embarrass them, but I'm thankful for the balance my parents had. And I'm thankful at an early age, my parents helped me understand this very simple truth. 
that we've been stating for weeks and I will continue to state for years. God is not interested in religion. Do not let anybody tell you, well, God's interested in religion. Here's the do's and don'ts of religion. God is not interested in religion. And these passages outline it for us. God is interested in you and in me seeking him with our heart. And I wanna tell you that this week, this week, every one of us desire God's blessing on our life. This week, every one of us want God's reward on our life, whatever it may be. If it's just extra grace, if it's just some mercy, if it's just a touch of joy, if it's a blessing that comes our way. Listen, every one of us, we want God's, God's power. And if I can say it this way, God's favor within our life. Can I help us understand what is going to bring God's favor into your life? Seek him with your heart. Serve for him only. Give for him only. Pray to him only. Fast for him only. Teach for him only. Encourage for him only. Be a good mom or a good dad for him only. Be a good husband, a good wife for him only. Be a, be a Christian worker this week that is, is on time and that is balanced in their reputation and has a, a good uh, rapport at work and good words at work. Do it all for God and God alone. And God says, I promise I see it and I promise I will bless it. What are you gonna be this week? A show-off follower or a sincere follower? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.